You were never out of the fight. You were created for a time such as this. And you are now preparing to be sent into battle. God is calling you to be his disciple, to be formed in virtue and holiness. He has appointed you as an ambassador of his kingdom. To go and represent him to his people. And he's enlisted you as a soldier of Christ. To be sent out to fight for the good in this world. You were not made to make excuses. time for you to take extreme ownership for your life, for all of your life. It's time to rise up and finally be the man or woman you were created to be. Follow God. Lead others. And never surrender. It is time to begin seeking excellence. What is going on, everybody? This is your boy, Nathan Crankfield, the host of the Seeking Excellence Podcast. Welcome back to another episode. We are going to dive in today into some of the areas of life that we might be slacking, that we might be actually becoming our own worst enemy and becoming an obstacle to our own path towards fulfilling our potential. And so I'm very excited and happy to be talking with you today to be able to share some of this uh, you know, wisdom and, and hard lessons learned that I've heard over, over my life. Um, about how we can um, really just stifle our own progress and keep ourselves from growing into the people that God created us to be. But before I get into that, I know that I have been promoting um, the Napa Institute uh, conference coming up here at the end of July for a while now. And I have some exciting news that we have now gotten a discount code for 25% off with the code Seeking Excellence 25, which I will include in the show notes, of course, with links to the conference, it's only $30 to sign up. And now you have an extra 25% off with this code. And I want you to check that out because this Napa Institute conference is going to be absolutely fire. And so if you love the stuff that we put out here at Seeking Excellence, you are going to love the Napa conference because it is conservative Catholicism, hard truth with charity. And it's going to train us on how to have some of these most difficult conversations and also have some great opportunities for professional development, all kinds of awesome things, because they have some great speakers and people lined up for that. So that is Seeking Excellence 25 for the promo code. That's a capital S and capital E for Seeking Excellence. And then the number's 25 at the end there for 25% off of that. Um, and so check that out. Awesome. So I have been reading recently a book by Mr. Jason Craig, who I really want to get on the podcast. Uh, this book is called Leaving Boyhood Behind. And so shout out to my boy, Oscar Shingledecker. He heard either me or somebody else had mentioned it on the podcast before, and I'd never read the book. And so he was like, dude, he's one of my homies. He's helped us with some video editing and stuff. He's like, bro, you got to read this book. And I'm like, bro, you're right. And so I finally ordered it and I started reading it uh, right before my retreat at Notre Dame with Hallow um, about a month ago. And so I've been just absolutely loving it. I'm almost finished with it. Um, honestly, by the time this comes out, I'll probably be done with it. Uh, but I really, you know, I was originally going to do an episode on this book, um, and start to like work through it and some of the masculinity stuff in it. And I'm still going to do that, but I'm not going to do that today. 
because today while I was going through and I was like, all right, I want to read some of my favorite quotes of the book and I want to get into some of this stuff. I came upon a quote that I really uh, loved and kind of, you know, it, it sparked in me something that I really hate as well. And so I'm going to actually do it on this quote this is what we're going to talk about today. And we're going to kind of deep dive into what this quote means, how true it is, and what we can do about it. All right. So let me uh, get set up here and I'm going to read this quote to you. All right. So this quote from Leaving Boyhood Behind by Jason Craig, he says, the word adulting has entered our lexicon and it means young adults performing mundane tasks of responsibility while praising themselves as if these things were remarkable. Now, I want to talk about adulting today because, you know, we have this kind of phrase we often talk about where we say adulting is hard, right? Adulting is difficult, you know, or we do kind of like hashtag adulting whenever we do something that is, is grown up, right? It's a grown up. It's a responsible thing to do. It might have to do with your job, might have to do with paying taxes or paying the bills or house buying or whatever it is, right? But is adulting actually hard? I think the answer is no. It's not as difficult as we make it seem. And I think there's three main reasons why we make adulting seem harder than it actually is. And those three things, in my opinion, are time management, not having a standard for ourselves, and, of course, ignorance. And so we have been very poorly formed, I think, as a generation of millennials on how to do adult things, how to do and accomplish adult tasks. And that's why we get so proud of ourselves. We also have this self-esteem you know, just this wave of self-esteem boosting constantly where we have to affirm ourselves for all things. And so we think that whenever we do something little, we have to celebrate it like we just won the Super Bowl. But I don't think that's as helpful as we act like it is. And so today we're going to break down those three things. So first, um, in, in this thing, you know, why, why do we have this? I think, you know, we were raised this, this self-esteem stuff. So we were raised in this, uh, you know, participation trophy kind of kind of life, right? Like that was that was kind of our generation was kind of like the guinea pigs on this participation trophy um, BS. And so we were kind of raised in this, like, you're always good no matter what you do. Like we kind of were the, and I'm not talking about my parents specifically um, when I say this, but we were kind of the first generation, I feel like, of like soft parents where, uh, you know, like the kids really started to like dominate the household. And I had friends where I really witnessed this and I saw this. And, and unfortunately today, what I see is the, um, the, the aftermath of that, right? These like entitled kids um, who had no discipline, um, who had no guidance, who really ran the house with weak father figures and mothers who were just kind of overwhelmed that didn't know what to do. Um, I see them now in, in rehab for drug use and for alcohol use and for, you know, you know dropped out of, out of college and, and not really accomplishing much. And it's extremely sad to see that. It's extremely sad to see where their lives have gone versus where their lives could have been and could have gone. But we have that kind of, I think it really is that combination of this self-esteem stuff. And then we were very poorly formed on how to do a lot of these adult tasks. We just, we didn't have the training. There was no real apprenticeship anymore, you know? And because we were coddled so much, um, you know, the coddling, if you've ever read or heard of the book, The Coddling of the American Mind, I believe Jonathan Haidt is the author of that one. We've just been so caught, caught like everything, like we just deserve things to just go. 
we feel like we just we're just owed success, right? Like we're just owed good things in life. Like we shouldn't have to work hard for them. We shouldn't like we just we just get things. And that's why I think the participation trophy really had an impact on that. Another thing that I think really impacted us negatively was we've kind of seen for millennials that college has kind of become high school, right? Like you don't really necessarily have to go to college with a plan, right? When you're 18 years old, um, you don't really have to have a plan for anything. You just kind of continue to exist. You kind of continue in this adolescence, but as an adult, it's really strange. And that's one thing I think leaving boyhood behind uh, the book really dives into in a, in a profound way to address the fact that like this prolonged adolescence is not good for men or women, but especially for men. It doesn't help us to develop. It doesn't help us to understand our purpose. It doesn't help us to understand the importance of maturity and and embracing responsibility and embracing, um, you know, challenges and difficulties in life because we just kind of have this prolonged now, like extra four years as grown babies, as grown kids to just, you know, have very little responsibility, continue to have our training wheels on, right? I see all these kids now come home from college. They don't get jobs. They don't have any responsibilities over the summertime. Like, and we just act like that's okay. And we just act like that's normal, which it shouldn't be. And so how do we start to address that? I think one, you if you are in college or you're going into college is you have to potentially, you know, force yourself to be more of an adult than you are. Maybe your parents won't force that upon you. Um, maybe your school won't force that upon you, but you need to force it upon yourself because actually embracing that responsibility and recognizing that, okay, I need to become more mature. I need to be a leader. I need to learn how to balance priorities. I need to learn how to manage things. I need to learn how to lead other people. It's the most beneficial thing you can do for your life, right? Obviously you can get a degree when you're in college, but if you, I've said this many times before, if you leave college with just a four-year degree, you have been played. I'll say it again. If you leave college with just a four-year degree, you have been played. Anybody and everybody can get a four-year degree. It's not that damn hard to graduate from college today. It's just not that difficult. Who you become in the process, who you become during those four years of college is what's really going to make a difference for the trajectory of your life. It's going to determine the type of spouse you're going to be. It'll help to determine what kind of parent you're going to be. It's going to help determine what kind of career path and options you're going to have. Because when you're somebody who knows how to lead other people, knows how to manage things, you can multitask and handle a lot of different priorities and work in difficult environments. When you know how to do those things, then you're competitive, then you're useful, then you're somebody that can add value to an organization. And I mean, an organization, as far as a company, you can add value to a family, you can add value to a friend group. You're going to be wanted in a lot of different social circles versus if you just learn how to get a four-year degree in marketing and you leave college, you might be useless because how much of that information are you even really retaining? And so you want to focus on who you become during your years in college. And if you blew past that and you already blew that, then you really need to be focusing your 20s on who can I become? How can I become somebody that's going to be a you know just substantial value add in whatever circumstance, whatever situation I'm in, whatever organization I'm a part of? And so take advantage of that, right? Like you have to take advantage of learning how to do, and that's why I'm going to talk about these three main kind of categories today, where I think we really blow it and we really miss the opportunity to grow ourselves and to thrive while we're in college. So that's why we we graduate college as grown babies with no understanding of responsibility, no understanding of how, you know, we ought to live, no understanding of how we can balance and manage our time and competing, um, you know, priorities and competing uh, demands for our attention. 
and demands for our effort. So it's hard. So let's talk about this today. Adulting's not hard. Let's reiterate that. It's not that damn hard to be a grown-up. And stop acting like it is. So that's another thing that kind of starts in college. And that's a kind of a good segue into the time management piece. When you are in college, a lot of times we, we foolishly act like college is difficult because it's a little bit more difficult in high school, right? And so because you have so much free time and you do have so much free time because you're used to in high school going to school from like 7.30 to 2.30 sometimes even longer, right? Sometimes eight to three, eight to three 30, whatever it might be. You're used to having to be in the same building and getting your work done. And then still having homework afterwards. If you played sports, you had to go to practice and get your homework done at, you know, like, and you had to like be at home and like maybe do chores or spend time with your parents or your family and like eat as a family. And like, there might've been other responsibilities and competing things for your time. But when you get into college, you go to class some days for, for two hours, two and a half hours, the rest of the day is yours. And so we act like it's really difficult because it actually is harder to have more time. So when your schedule is just completely open, you find that it's a lot more difficult. I saw this countless times when I was in college because I filled my schedule with so many different things. And I wanted to do so many things from volunteer work to leading a Bible study, to working out, to being an ROTC, to playing, you know, club sports and intramural sports and, um, you know, reading outside of the classroom and developing a strong prayer life and getting in the chapel and going to daily mass multiple times throughout the week. And so I saw that the people who actually did none of those things had worse grades. I noticed that they actually just accomplished so much less, even though they had more free time, because more free time does not equal more freedom. And so you have to realize that discipline, discipline equals freedom. And so when you have a disciplined lifestyle and you have a restriction on your time, Um, you're actually going to perform better. You're going to make more use of the little time that you have. Even the time that you have that's actually free to spend with family and friends and to call people and do all that stuff because you're not just taking it for granted. You're not just coasting through life. When you have purpose and you have responsibilities, you're actually going to be much more productive and get more done and shocker here, be much more fulfilled. And so that's something that was really interesting in reading this quote today was I had just read, you know, uh, much deeper in the book, 90 pages later, where he's talking about how lonely and sad we are as a society, even as we continue to thrive uh, economically and we have the most comfortable, easiest lives of any generation ever, but we still struggle with sadness and loneliness. And I think that so much of this is connected, right? So we get into this mindset in college, and I think college really ruins us in that. And then you have this addiction and this like obligation to constantly say you're busy, even when you're not, you know, like I, even when I was in college, I was sleeping for literally like six hours a night, praying for 45 minutes or an hour a day, working out for an hour to an hour and a half to two hours a day. Um, Cause sometimes I'd be doing two a days with PT in the morning at six 15 and then uh, going and knocking out, you know, either basketball in the afternoon or just working out again in the afternoon. Um, And then, you know, leading a a group of people to go volunteer each Monday, leading Bible study each Friday, um, you know, being a part of the honors program. Like I was doing a lot of stuff and I would just see people who were doing almost nothing but going to class with five classes a semester. I graduated college with like 150 credits, which is like five years worth of credits in, in, in four years. And that's not exceptional. It's not, I mean, it's exceptional, I guess, because it's not the norm, but it's not that big of a deal. But but I noticed that the people who literally were graduating with 120 credits and like nothing on their resume would, would just be like, oh, I'm so busy. I have so much to do. And I'd be like, 
bro, what? Like how, how, like, how is that possible? (laughs) How do you even think that you're busy? But it's just like, we've gotten to this, we've just, we've gotten into this gross habit as a society of everybody just saying they're busy all of the time. And so often we are not actually busy. And so we just, we fill our lives with all this nonsense, with all this BS. And then we have the audacity to say that we're busy. And these type of people who either get off work or get home from class and they watch TV for like three hours and then they're up late doing homework and then they're tired the next day. And it's like, if you could just tighten up a little bit, we don't realize how much, you know, a little bit of time management, a little bit of discipline will exponentially open our lives up to have more time to do things that really matter and really improve our lives, like exercising, like reading and growing and learning, like spending time in prayer and spending time with God. You have so much more time than you realize you do, but so much of your time is leaking out and going to all these things that are producing nothing in your life, whether they be relationships, whether they be hobbies, whether they be just tasks, they produce no goodness in your life. And yet you continue to pour time into them. And this is the time where you need to really evaluate what is your time going towards and how can you start to improve your life in just these simple ways by cutting out some of this BS. And so time management in college is almost non-existent, but time management is one of the reasons why we think adulting is so hard. And I realized this, all of these come from, all three of these come from my own life, right? So time management is something that I've ebbed and flowed with, right? There's been times in my life where my time management has been really strong. And there's times in my life where my time management has been absolute trash. But I realize that when I'm disciplined and discipline for your day starts the night before, right? So when I'm disciplined and I make myself go to bed on time, then I can get up on time. When I can get up on time, then I can get the stuff done that I need to get done, right? When I get up on time, which for me is about 6 a.m., which very rarely happens. I usually get up at 6.30, um, which I can still kind of squeeze in most things, but it makes it a lot harder. But when I get up on time at six o'clock or 6.30, today's a Saturday and I got up at 6.20-ish. I walked the dog for like a half an hour. When I walk the dog, I also listen to a podcast or I'll listen to something on Hallow typically. But I'm, I'm growing, I'm learning, you know, doing some type of learning during that time and walking the dog, which tires the dog out. So now the dog is sleeping while I'm recording these podcasts. The other thing that I get to do before that, because she takes some time to kind of calm down, um, and this will also happen on a work day too, because when I start recording, it's usually when I start working too. I got to read this morning for like 40 minutes, which also set me up to record this podcast. Got to spend a little time with Emily, have some coffee, um, hang out a little bit. And she went to the gym now. She's at Orange Dairy and I get to record. But then my, the rest of my day, now I have momentum, right? So I've recorded one podcast before this, recording this one, and then I'm going to go work out. So by, by, you know, by noon, for sure, I'm going to have walk the dog, you know, getting a little exercise in, listen to a podcast, uh, did my morning reading and some morning prayer, then recorded two podcasts, gone to the gym, showered, and now noon, I'm ready to go. And we're going to be, you know, uh, packing up some of the house today. We're going to be uh, going over her, her family. We're hosting some uh, Totus Tuus missionaries for dinner. So we're helping her mom cook dinner. Um, I'm really excited about this chicken I'm about to make tonight. But that's, that's, you know, this all started because even though last night was Friday night, I was in bed around 10, 15. So that's what opened me up to be able to have this day today. If I stay up till, you know, 12 o'clock, 1 a.m. on Fridays, then I'm just screwed for the whole weekend. 
And so that's something I'll always remember Eric Thomas teaching us in college. Uh, Eric Thomas is a uh, motivational speaker and talking about time management and celebrating and staying up too late and ruining your life, ruining your day the night before, right? By staying up too late is so many people go out every weekend, right? And they're celebrating, they're drinking and they're staying up late. They're doing all these things, they're rewarding themselves. And it's like, you didn't accomplish anything this week. If you didn't accomplish or achieve anything, what are you celebrating? What are you treating yourself to, right? Like we have, I love Parks and Rec. And so I love watching, I love their episodes where they treat yourself, right? The treat yourself days. Like Parks and Rec is a sitcom, right? That, that, that shit's supposed to be funny. And what's funny about it is a lot of times we're just working ordinary jobs, doing the bare minimum of our tasks. And we have the audacity to be like, I should treat myself this week, right? Like, that's not how it works. You don't celebrate accomplishing nothing. And you don't celebrate doing the bare minimum and just surviving and existing for another week, right? When you do accomplish something great, you ought to celebrate. But stop celebrating and ruining, you know, your sleep schedule and ruining, you know, all these different things that, that could be happening in your life. You're actually detracting from your ability to be able to actually accomplish something worth celebrating because you're celebrating nothing on a consistent basis by going out and staying up late and spending too much time at bars or just, you know, wasting time when you could be going to bed early, waking up early the next day and crushing life. And then having something that's worth actually celebrating. And so I love when Eric Thomas taught us about that. And he said, what do you, he's like, everybody's going out and celebrate. It's like, what do you celebrate? You're turning up for what? You're turning up for what? It doesn't make any damn sense. So stop doing that if that's something that you're doing, right? Like there's times to do it. Weddings, you bought a house, you accomplished something big, you got a promotion, like turn up, celebrate and celebrate each other, right? Celebrate with one another. But don't ruin your life just celebrating that you existed for five more days and got paid on Friday. That's some of the dumbest things you can do. So that's what makes, that's one of the things that makes adulting hard is we don't take the time to make schedules, to schedule out goals, to create routines for ourselves so we can actually get the things done that need to be done. Right. That's why people get so busy and, oh, I'm so tired. I'm so busy and all this stuff. And they don't go to mass anymore as adults because they're staying up too late and exhausting themselves on Friday and Saturday night. It's the same reason why people don't make budgets. It's the same way, reason why people don't go to the gym enough. It's the same reason why people don't pray enough each day because we don't take time to evaluate what's actually contributing to my life and what's actually detracting from my life. And so evaluate those things in, in, in your own life. And, and something else that I wanted to talk about, I should have talked about this last week with the goal setting, but I want to talk about it now. You don't need it to be Lent or you don't need it to be New Year's to set new goals and to totally transform your life. You can do that any time of the year, right? Like Exodus 90 is a great example of this, and they've created these programs, but those are still kind of focused around oftentimes around liturgical seasons or New Year's or different times of the year or different times are just kind of natural for you to, um, you know, evaluate your life or start new habits. You can just do that tomorrow right? Like this is, this is almost like a secret, like a life hack that a lot of people just like, don't realize, like you can just stop watching TV tomorrow and have a ton of time back in your life, right? Like you can limit your screen time on your phone or delete apps off your phone and actually just open up your life to where you will be able to start reading more. You will be able to start praying more. You will have the time to actually go and exercise like you want to. 
you can just create that life tomorrow. Like you, you as an adult, like you have so much freedom to really transform and change your life. And especially as a young adult, pre-marriage or pre-kids, or when you only have, you know, a couple or like one kid or something like, like understand that you are experiencing the most freedom that you're going to experience probably for the rest of your life until you're like a retired empty nester. This is like, this is your, this is your peak. It only gets harder from here. It doesn't get impossible, but it just gets more and more difficult. And so now is the time to actually evaluate and change your life. And so you want to think about that, right? You want to be evaluating, you know, what, what, where am I really not maximizing my potential and take the time to really view your twenties as your grind years. You're laying the foundation for the rest of your life. You're laying that foundation financially, relationally, you know, finding your spouse, like doing all these other things. Um, um, you don't have to, you don't have to wait and evaluate, you know what I mean? And and wait for, wait for some golden time in your life to, to change your life, uh, or some, you know, mark of the year or, you know, freaking Chinese new year to, to try to become a new man or woman do that shit today. All right. Last thing I want to talk about when it comes to time management that I think millennials get really bad at is, just like in college, this is going to be, this is kind of probably a bit of a hot take. But I think that in college, some people spend too much time on their schoolwork. And so what I mean by that is, does a 4.0, like, is that really going to change your life? It might. It definitely might. But I'd rather be, and this is what I did in college, because I graduated with a 3.6. I'd rather be the kid that made Dean's List every semester, right? I had a three, six. I, I already told you all the stuff I did, volunteering, prayer life, working out, top ROTC battalion, um, you know, living the dream, playing intramural sports and club sports, like having a ton of fun doing that, um, leading Bible study, right? Being involved in focus. Um, I'd rather do that than have a 4.0 and do two of those things. Right. And that's what I feel like a lot of people do. And a lot of us then transferred that and gone on to um, being workaholics. And let me just reiterate for for all the millennial, all my millennial homies out there. If you are a workaholic and you crush your professional life, but you end up sucking as a father, as a husband, as a wife, as a mother. If you if you end up crushing your professional life and you get that promotion, but you have no prayer life. If you, if you crush your professional life and you spend hours and hours every day on, on work and you let your health go and you die 10 years earlier than you could have if you had been healthy and you miss out on that time with your kids and your grandkids, what was the point? What was the point? I always love the quote that you can tell where somebody's priorities are by the way that they spend their time and the way that they spend their money, by checking their calendar and checking their bank statement. And that is so, so true. But especially just think about it. I mean, I see so many people. I have so many friends. I know people who are just absolute workaholics that just give themselves constantly in work. It's just like work is everything. I was just looking, just having to like pull up my work email a second ago and saw a friend of mine who's a, a husband and father. And it was like sending a work email at like 10, 15 at night on a Friday. I'm like, dog, why? <laughs> like, like you gotta, you, why? Why are you doing that? Like you have to have, and, and maybe this individual doesn't do it all the time. I don't know. But you have to think about your life in that way of, of if I and, and this person isn't by any means failing as a as a husband or father or as a, a wife or mother. But 
I, I mean, you know, one example, what I mean by that is one example doesn't mean that that person's failing in these other things, but you have to take it seriously and think about your life of if, if I am constantly pouring into my life, into my work, and then I realize, you know, what was this all for? Was this really the most important thing? We kind of naturally spend the most of our time, the majority of our time, like just in a given week, either working, preparing for work, driving to work, coming home from work. And if you go even more than that, if you go over the 40 hours, like just make sure that it's something that's like really profound and never let it overcome the importance or overtake the importance of your family life and your primary vocation. That's what's one of the most beautiful things of the Catholic faith is we have a big V vocation, which means you're either uh, religious. For me as a man, it means I'm either a, a, a priest, a brother, or a husband. And I am a husband. That's my big V vocation, husband and father. Um, your little V vocation is I'm a sales, I'm a sales lead, right? And so you can never let your little V vocation, there's a reason why one's capitalized and the other is not. It's because the big V vocation is your primary sanctification tool. It's the primary path of you to heaven. My job is a tool for me to be a good father and husband because I'm a provider. Okay. And it can also sanctify me in different ways. It can sanctify me in a lot of ways. And I'm meant to take the tools and lessons learned of how to balance things and manage things and lead and all this other stuff that I learned at work. I'm meant to let that train me and form me as a husband and father. You're not meant to, you know, be a husband and father as, as a part-time thing, as a hobby on the side that you kind of dabble in as kind of optional. And then your work be everything that you put your life into. Jordan Peterson talks about that a lot, especially with women who have been sold a massive lie for the last like 60 years that your professional life is the most important thing. And the most important thing you'll leave behind um, in your life. And then a lot of them realize in their mid thirties, like, oh crap, like I'm crushing the lawyer thing. I'm crushing the doctor thing. I'm crushing business, but I don't have any kids or a spouse. And that's actually not that dope. They kind of realize like, oh, this like actually is not awesome. I actually don't love that. Yeah. And it's a, it's a tough time to figure it out because you're in the fourth quarter. That's not a great time to realize that you're losing. Some women are, are, are cool with it. And some, some women are like, yeah, I don't have kids or, or a family or a spouse. And I'm just like, I'm Gucci with that. Or I have a spouse. We don't have kids. And we're just like, we're rocking. But a lot of times, if you don't realize it at 35, you might realize it at 50. Um, and for a woman, that's when you're realizing that you lost once the game was already over. And you thought you were winning the whole time. You realize the scoreboard was messed up and you actually got your ass kicked. And that's not fun. I can't imagine. It's never happened to me. I've never been a 50-year-old woman with no kids and look back regretfully on my life or 75 or whatever. But one thing you always learn about is nobody looks back on their life in any of the end-of-life quotes and says, I wish I had less kids. Nobody ever says that. A lot of times you'll hear people say, I wish I had more. Nobody ever says they wish they had less. The second piece of what we do that makes adulting hard or what one thing that makes adulting harder than it needs to be is ignorance. And our ignorance is what makes it so difficult because we don't do things naturally, right? Because we weren't trained maybe as well on how to cook or on how to clean because we were coddled and, and just like spoiled as kids. Um, and so you might not know how to do some of these things. You might not know how to file your taxes. You might not know how to pay your bills. You might not know how to budget. And so if you do any of these things, it feels like this huge, huge accomplishment, even though it should just feel like 
brushing your teeth, right? Like it should feel like a natural thing that I just know how to do. Um, but it's not because we weren't trained on or taught how to do it. And so uh, ignorance can make adulting really hard because we just don't know, right? We weren't formed on the right way to do things or on how to do things. One of the biggest mistakes that we often make as adults is we act like it's still not our responsibility to solve the problem of our own ignorance. And so if you don't know how to budget, if you don't know anything about personal finance, if you don't know anything about health and fitness, if you don't know anything about your spiritual life or how to pray, if you know anything about how to evangelize, if you don't know anything about you know, how to improve your mental health, if you don't know anything about relationships and being a good spouse or being a good husband or wife, it's your responsibility to fix that. Like as an adult, you need to take control and ownership of your own life and be in charge of changing it, of making the changes that are necessary to solve this problem of ignorance. And ignorance is fueled by our bad time management because our bad time management is what keeps us from learning. It keeps us from watching these you know, important YouTube videos on, on these important topics or on reading the books that we need to read or listening to the podcasts that we need to listen to so we can grow and actually learn some of these things and not just be idiots for the rest of our lives that don't know how to do anything um, and ruin our own lives because of our chosen path of ignorance. So you have to take ownership of that, take control, create a plan, create a path forward. It is not difficult to read a book a month. And the average American reads like two books a year, which is an absolute joke. If you just read a book a month and those books were not just nonsensical books, you know, Harry Potter books or 50 shades of gray or some other stupid thing. That's not going to help you actually grow. You can read books for fun. I'm not totally against reading books for fun and reading fiction, but that's a, that's a side thing. That's a bonus, right? Like that's a bonus. If you're not reading things that are actually helping you to grow and learn, then what the hell are you doing? What are you doing? How are you going to actually solve this problem? If you read 12 good books a year that taught you how to solve conflict in relationships that taught you more about personal finance, investing, budgeting, all of that stuff. If you read books that taught you about your physical fitness, that that taught you about grit, that helped you in your professional development, you would be a massively different individual five years from now than you are today. But a lot of times we just don't want to take the time to read. We don't want to sacrifice our Netflix time or our time with friends or our time scrolling on our phones to actually make the difference in our lives. But do you care about fulfilling your potential? Do you care about who you're going to be in the long run of your life, the legacy that you're going to leave? If you do, then you're going to start making the sacrifices to read, to learn, to grow yourself so that you can be the person that God created you to be. So when you make those sacrifices, you can really start to handle that ignorance because it is daunting. It's, it's, it's frightening to think about, okay, I think finance is such a good one. And it was one for me that I was just like utterly ignorant about when I left college, right? Like nobody, my, my grandmother took some time um, here and there to teach me a little bit about investing and about what she did. Um, it definitely still left me wanting, but I do remember her teaching me a little bit about it. So I have to give her credit for sure. Cause she was the only person I think that ever really tried to teach me that. Um, I think I remember my mom, I can't remember if I was assigned it as homework or if she just did it one day you know, when I was younger, showed me a little bit about balancing the checkbook. Um, and I had to do some samples of that in high school or grade school. I can't remember when that was, but I do remember sitting down at the table and having to try to, you know, do some like mock examples of that. But now that we don't use checkbooks, we just have checking accounts that have debit cards 
and we use credit cards. A lot of people don't get that opportunity. don't get that exposure to get to learn how to do that. And so you have to seek that out on your own. And it can be hard to find places to start. And that's why we talk about it here at Seeking Excellence. If you haven't listened to our finances, you know, personal finance 101 or investing basics and stuff like that that we've done, go back and check out those episodes. We want to be a place and what we're trying to grow to is being a place where you'll have resources, where I have uh, different suggested links and different places that you can reach out to us and learn about Investopedia, learn about bigger pockets. You can learn about their different like sub podcasts that they have uh, for bigger pockets. Um, you can learn about you know Ramsey Solutions and Dave Ramsey's approach to things. Um, that's what we want to be. We want to we'll create that for you and, and and be a place that you can kind of go to and say, okay, I need to learn about this stuff because so many people are out there trying to sell you. BS, like simple solutions and shortcuts to adulting in the Catholic world and in the secular world, where it's like, this is how you adult. It's like, are you going to teach me about how to handle my budget? Because if you're not, then you're not teaching me anything about adulting. You're not teaching me anything about masculinity or manhood. Or, I mean, obviously it doesn't have to all be that, but if you're not eventually getting to the practicals of how do I actually like lead my family, then what the hell good are you to me? How are you actually trying to help me? You're not. And so let's, let's tackle the problems of, of this ignorance. Like, think about it. The seven pillars, where are you most ignorant? If you don't know what the seven pillars are, check out our website for those. Because these are the seven areas of your life that everybody has responsibility in these seven areas. Some of us have more, some of us have less. Um, but if you want more responsibility in those areas, you have to manage what you have now well. You have to steward it well. That's uh, that's that's a gospel principle. You know, the Lord says to to whom, um, like to the one who has more will be given to him, and the one who has not even the little that he does have will be taken away. And He says that to the the stewards, right, to the the people that he gave the talents to. In the in the parable, you know, the master gave ten talents to one, five to one, and one to another, and he grades us and judges us on what we do with what we've been entrusted with. And we've all been entrusted with something, many of us with many things and many blessings. Even if you had a life of a lot of hardship, you've probably been entrusted with a lot of good and a lot of opportunity, and you're probably wasting a lot of it. And so change that. And so the last thing as we wrap up here, this is going a lot longer than I thought it would, is having a vision or standard in your life. I've talked about this before with the four signs of a dynamic Catholic, um, because one of the things I think is so important and why I love Four Signs of a Dynamic Catholic is because Matthew Kelly, for the first time in my life, gave me something to aim for, right? So the Four Signs of a Dynamic Catholic, as per Matthew Kelly, who wrote the book, are prayer, study, generosity, and evangelization. And so what I loved about reading that book when I was in college was it finally, for the first time, gave me a vision and a standard to say, okay, if I want to be a great Catholic man, which I do, what do I need to do? And obviously it's not all encompassing, right? You can still do that and be a, do those four things and be a murderer, I suppose. Like you can still be a pretty awful human being, but at least it gives you some idea of a standard. Um, you know, obviously if you do actually have a strong prayer life, you're not going to be a murderer and an awful human being, but it can give you some type of a standard and something that you can aim at, something you can look to and I can evaluate myself and I can judge myself, whether it's weekly, monthly, or at the end of the year and say, okay, I am not doing these things. And we have to recognize that those are the basics, right? That's the floor. That's the bottom. Those are the minimums to be a dynamic Catholic, right? To be a great Catholic. You can create your own if you think that those are wanting, if you think that those need some adjustments. 
but you still need to have some type of standard for your life. This is one of the main things that makes adulting hard is that we have no standards for ourselves. We have no expectations. And so when you do that, then you can act like everything's exceeding the expectations, which makes it seem like everything is exceptional and above and beyond and act like it's difficult or it's hard and it's worth celebrating. When in reality, it's not, it's just the basics and we shouldn't celebrate doing the basics. We should just accomplish those and get those done and move on with our lives. And so creating this standard, and that's why seeking excellence essentially exists, is to give you a standard as a human being um, of what do I need to be striving for? And it's that you need to be doing all of these different areas, right? You need to be mentally tough. You need to have strong relationships. You need to be a leader. You need to know how to be a leader. You need to evangelize. You need to pray. You need to balance your budget. You need to invest. You need to um, tithe. You need to exercise and work out and eat, eat generally healthy, right. And have a good lifestyle. You need to uh, strive for professional goals and, and strive for excellence in your work life. You need to have an understanding of these big social and cultural issues of our time and how we can be a good citizen, how we can evangelize the truth to other people in these social, social and cultural issues from both a faith perspective and a secular perspective. These are many of the things that create our standard of excellence and what I want you to be striving for as individuals. And why do I want you to be striving for these things? Because as Jason Craig talks about leaving boyhood behind, when you don't, you end up sad, lonely, and unfulfilled. And that's not what I want for you in your life. That's not what we want. We don't want that. And so when you recognize that more responsibility, more discipline, more ownership over your life is actually going to lead to your freedom, to your fullness of life, to you experiencing life to the fullest, that's when you're going to be really unlocked and you're going to be able to be a really great and awesome human being um, that's going to be able to tackle life. And you're going to be able to be a great adult who's going to then be able to, most importantly, raise great adults in the future. Your kids are not going to have to suffer the same stuff that you suffered, the same lack of time management skills, the same ignorance, the same lack of a standard or vision for their lives, because they're going to have been raised and formed by you who is going to have this wisdom and knowledge. It's going to train them in how to budget and how to have good mental health and how to all these things so that they can just go and crush it. And so let's close with a prayer real quick in the name of the father and the son and the Holy spirit. Amen. Lord, we thank you for this day. We thank you for the opportunity that you give us in life. We recognize every breath, every opportunity that we have to do anything comes from you and that we ought to give everything back to you as a gift, as we've received it as a gift. And so out of our love for you, Lord, we're going to really strive today to be better versions of ourselves, to really strive to tighten up our time management, to battle the ignorance that we have, and to really fight uh, to understand and provide ourselves with a clear vision and standard of excellence in our own lives. So we have something to aim at, something to fight for. And help us to always understand the profound reason and purpose that we have as future spouses, as current spouses, as future parents, as current parents, as leaders in the church, as leaders in the world, um, to the responsibility that we have to, to really become our best so that we can share that with other people and help them to fulfill their potential. We thank you for everything that we have, and we ask you for the grace and humility to rely on you and be dependent on you for the strength to carry all of this out. We ask all this through Christ our Lord. Amen. St. Thomas More. Pray for us in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. All right, my friends, thank you so much for tuning in today. If today was helpful for you, I ask you to share this episode. If you have listened to more than three Seeking Excellence podcasts and you have not left us a review yet, I ask that you go and leave us a review. We get one-star reviews every now and then because people hate the fact that I share the truth and 
say some basic things, right? And so it really helps us when you add us a five-star review on there. And if you can leave a written review, if you have two minutes to type up something that you enjoy about the podcast, why you like it, what you've learned, that would be super helpful for us. And it's a great way to share it. If you also be willing to share this on social media or share it via text message to just one to three people, if we just had every person share this to one more person every episode, we'd grow exponentially and be able to get our message out and to share this encouragement, this motivation, this practical wisdom with people on even a greater scale. And so thank you so much for your listening today. I hope it was helpful for you. And I hope it helps to assist you in your journey to fight hard, to be your best in your life. God bless you.